How many times have you said to yourself, I'm going to succeed, and yet you keep coming up short? You probably noticed that high achievers with heart do things differently, but you just can't put your finger on it. You're curious about why high achievers accomplish more and have more satisfying relationships. It's because success is the result of your mindset and the consistent actions you take. This show is designed with your success in mind. By revealing these powerful patterns of our dynamic individuals and guest experts, you can model what they do and apply to your future success now. Let's roll up our sleeves and get started. My name is Brigitte Höfele, and this is the Success Patterns Show. And welcome everyone to the Success Pattern Show. My name is Brigitte Höfele, and we are going to highlight golden nuggets today. You sure want to have something to write with and something to write on. And also make sure that you're sharing this with others because it's not just you that want to have really good success patterns. Now, success patterns are valuable. They're more valuable than ideas. Now, let me explain to you. Ideas, while very powerful, require trial and error and a lot of time to put into action. Think about manufacturing. You first have an idea, then a proof of concept, then a working prototype, and then small production pieces, uh, batches, and finally, full-scale production. This can take months, maybe even years, and you might have met some people that are collectors of good ideas or ideas, but they do little else. Forget everything you've heard about ideas. You're not looking for ideas. You are looking for success patterns. Success patterns are different. Success patterns are better. Why? Well, success patterns are proven, have a logical uh, sequence of steps to follow, have an action imperative, and deliver consistent results. In today's content-rich program of the Success Pattern Show, you're going to learn valuable success patterns because we have a very special guest today. We're going to talk shop today. His name is Jim Anderson, and... Way back in 1999, he started his entrepreneurship and being a business owner, and he founded Anderson Automotive in Marion, Iowa. Now, 24 years later, Anderson Automotive has grown into a modern facility with dedicated staff and management in place that handle all of the day-to-day -day operations. And because of this stability and success of Anderson Automotive, Jim, as the business owner, was able to discover a completely new and ever-growing passion that he now has and lives, and that is helping other shop owners in the business world. Along Jim's journey, he had the opportunity to work and with and learn from amazing business amazing business people in the industry of leaders and coaches, and became one of them. He was also able to work with and alongside large companies and organizations in the industry using his passion for public, public speaking and inspiring others through that, speaking, teaching, and coaching others through the hurdles and pitfalls of life and business. And we all know, well, I hope you don't know as hard as some of us know how that feels, sounds, and looks like. So he is there to help with his real shop coaching real shops in the industry to um, to gain traction. I'm super excited to have him here. So let's bring him up. 
Jim Anderson. Jim, good to have you here. Excellent. Uh, happy to be here. Um, it's really exciting to get a chance to talk to you and all your viewers, and uh, hopefully we can uh, really spur some people on. Yes. Well, that's what we do, right? Yeah. So I, I told the audience we're going to talk shop, and when we talk shop, you know, I, I want to define what kind of shop. Of course, I know, you know, what you do, but share with us a little bit. How, how did you get into this industry? What kind of shop are we talking about, and what do you specialize in? All of these well, questions. I'm in the automotive industry, of course, um, and I got into it. Uh, it's a kind of a funny story. Way back in fifth grade, me and my friends, we were pretty hard on bicycles. You know, we'd jump them, make ramps and everything. We were pretty hard on them. And uh, in fifth grade, my parents bought me a brand new bicycle because, of course, I had broken my last one again. And they said to you, hey, here you go. Um, take care of it. This is the last new bicycle we're ever going to buy you. And I'm thinking, yeah, right. You know, that's just mom and dad talking. Uh, they weren't kidding so when I broke it, they said, well, you better figure out how to fix it. And that's kind of how it started. I was buying used bicycles, fixing bicycles, building bicycles. And and it moved on into when I came into cars, of course. And then um, one thing led to another. And uh, I was in the automotive industry, and I started working on cars because uh, I wanted to race and such. And at the time, if I wanted to go racing, I had to find a way to earn the extra money. So I'd work on cars nights and weekends and that grew into a business and I launched a one man business in 99. And here we are today, this picture of my shop in the background. Um, but it, what happened is in around 2004, five, six, I figured out, you know, I, I don't know what my numbers and stuff are and such, but are they good? Are they bad? I didn't know. And so um, I got hooked up with a, a, a company that coaches and helps auto, automotive shop owners uh, work work and fix on the business because fixing and, and repairing cars, trucks, things of that nature requires a certain set of tools, of course. Uh, but working on diagnosing and repairing a business, entirely different toolbox. And unfortunately, it was a toolbox that I didn't have many tools in. <laughs> so um, when I started learning how to do that, it became very obvious that our industry is, is full of a lot of people that are very passionate about it. But most of them are very good technicians that got tired of working for someone else and they opened their own business, did a decent job taking care of customers, and they ended up with a company, whether they wanted one or not, or knew how to run one or not, uh, just like me. And um, so uh, long story short, I got asked to, to help with this other company. I started doing that. Then I became one of three people in the country certified to go do on-site inspections at the shops and watch them run and make recommendations. Um, I was the, the most requested workshop speaker for that company. I've uh, spoken at uh, Vision and SEMA in Las Vegas. And it's just become a passion of mine to help other shop owners maybe not fall in all the pits I fell into, like you mentioned in your opening, uh, the, you know, the things you could trip over as a business owner. And so um, some very good colleagues of mine, Steve Eck out of Chicago, Mandy Bradshaw out of Austin, Texas, and uh, Toby. Um, Toby Condor, she's out of um, Palmer, Alaska, believe it or not, and myself and I, well, we got together and formed Real Shop Coaching, uh, where we work with other independent shop owners and basically anybody in any business, it can it can relay over to. Because when we talk shop, it, yeah, this is a shop, but a lot of the principles and such uh, spill over into just business ownership in general, being the owner, being the executive, growing your, your business and making it successful. 
there were so many nuggets that you already shared and I, I want to touch on some of them. So, you know, we, we, we often create something that we needed ourselves. And, mm -hmm. and I was on a show earlier today where I was on, on, in your seat and I was asked a very similar question and with you being a shop owner and I know Steve Eck and he was on the success pattern show before as well. Um, we have a, you personally, Jim, you have a, there's a passion. There's a, there's a purpose when you open the shop, right? Yeah. And, and it's, and it, I would assume it's loving to, you know, fix cars and, 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 and tune cars or, or I don't know. You tell well, me what was it, your passion? It goes beyond that. It's about providing a service that's needed and wanted in the community. Okay. And let's face it. Not a lot of people get up in the morning and go, you know what? I think my car's broken today. I get to spend a thousand dollars fixing my car. This is great. No, it don't happen. So here's the situation. Nobody wants what I'm selling. Okay. Everyone needs it. They need what you're selling. Okay. Big difference when it comes to the enthusiasm and the money. Okay. Um, so let's face it. Nobody likes to go get their car fixed. All right. So the biggest thing is I try to provide a service that a solves their problem. B, makes them feel like they receive true service and be there if there's issues in the future. And beyond that, we want to be a positive force in the community as well. Not just fixing cars. We want to be there to support other, uh, other needs within the community. Uh, we like to do fun sponsorships. We like to do unique marketing. Um, and we like to be a supportive member of the community in a way that we, we have a very positive presence. And we like to maintain that. And when somebody comes to get their car fixed and then they leave, I want them to feel good about the money that they had to spend. Not because they wanted to, they had to. And that's the biggest thing is treating customers like people, not, not cattle. Yeah. Oh, amen. Yeah, that, that's a big one. You know, it's, it's, it's interesting that we have this conversation right now because I posted a picture of my 79 El Camino the other day. I think it was on Sunday. I was, I was giddy as a little girl because I took it to the shop. I have been waiting for this shop space for, for Travis here in Atlanta to open up a space so I can actually bring the El Camino in so he gets to you know, work on it. Mm -hmm. And it needs a lot of work, honestly. It, I've, I've had the car for quite some time, but mm -hmm. I'm excited. I'm excited to actually give Travis my money <laughs> as he's fixing up the yeah. car so I can ride it. So I I, I, I get what you're saying and, and it's in a, in a little different uh, context. And when I went in uh, to see Travis and up until now, I only knew him from the phone because I was always calling in going, do you have a space? Do you? And I've been doing this for months and months and months and months and months. And I come in and I'm like, you must be really passionate about what you get to do. And he's got like, you know, he's got old Broncos and Mustangs and Chevelles and God knows what. He had a gremlin on there, like a green gremlin uh, there as well. And uh, he says, you know, I, you're right. I love it. And then we went into the office and there's all of this paperwork kind of spread out. And he goes, and this, I don't like at all. Mm -hmm. And I guess that's where where you also come into what do you do when you have a shop owner like that, like Travis, that is so passionate about, yes, I mean, him and I, we connected. We built a relationship over, over mm -hmm. months over yeah. an El Camino. Yeah. 
so there's a passion there, but how do you ignite that passion in areas of the business that if he would just neglect that area, he wouldn't be in business. Let's be Correct. honest. Correct. Well, how do you ignite that, that fire? Well, first thing you gotta do is find out if the, if the, the client wants to be good in that area. There are a handful of shop owners that just want to work on the cars. I don't want to do payroll. I don't want to do PR and marketing and employee and HR. I don't want to do any of that. I just want to work on the cars. If that's the case, then you have to find that out and then set up a, a path of targets, goals, and, and, and areas to, to shoot for to, to put somebody else in charge. Okay, that's the exception. Um, someone like Travis, he wants to own his business, I would assume, but he doesn't want to do the paperwork and the things like that two reasons they literally don't want to or they just simply don't know how mm. um so you give them the knowledge knowledge breeds confidence confidence breeds enthusiasm and then enthusiasm gets stuff done yeah it's that simple yeah so if you give someone like travis some of the, the tools to do some of those things they, a shop owner will usually um come about realizing well i don't mind doing say the marketing and I don't mind doing the, the, the bookkeeping. I really don't want to deal with the, the software stuff. And I really don't want to deal with paying the bills and, and they'll at least grab onto the, the, the parts of being an owner that they want to want to have. And then we give them the encouragement to delegate the rest. Here's a huge nugget. The growth of any organization is limited by the person at the top and their willingness to delegate duties and responsibilities to others. Boom. Okay. So many shop owners that we, we start a shop and we build it and, it, and it's our little baby, and man, we got to take care of it. And we don't trust anybody else to take care of our baby as good as us. But what we don't realize is as we grow and we get bigger, we aren't taking quite as good a care of the baby as we thought we would. Where we used to be able to sit down and, like, when you came into his shop and he spent, I don't know, 10, 5, 5, 10, 20, 30 minutes, an hour with you, whatever that is. When we used to spend 15 minutes with a customer, now we're spending seven minutes, then six, four, two. We're not we're not spending the same amount of quality of time, so we're not quite taking care of uh, good of care of the baby as we used to. Okay, mm -hmm. and we don't realize that because it deteriorates over time, just like somebody's vision. The first time they get glasses, like wow, I didn't believe how blind I was. Um, so the biggest thing is to get to realize that we need help to take care of the shop, the business. And giving them the tools to do that with gives them the knowledge to take certain steps. Now they'll do so confidently. The biggest reason why he avoids the paperwork is he just, it's an unknown. Or he literally just doesn't want to do it. Okay. So we either have to delegate that or get a little knowledge, then we'll take control of it. Uh, and getting that decision is part of what the coaching is all about. Yeah. I, I hear this, and you might hear this question a lot as well from clients. And I want to ask you how you handle it. So the client would like to delegate, but they're in a pickle. They, they, they say, well, in order for me to hire, say, someone in marketing, to do all of my PR and marketing stuff, for me to hire someone, I actually have to do more work in order to put them on the payroll to pay them for the service that they do. Mm -hmm. So now they're getting in the hamster wheel and they don't know what comes first. Mm -hmm. Do I do, do, do I hire that person first and then I make more money so I can pay them? Or do I hire them now, not make the money and rely that they're making the money so I can pay them? Like it, it's it's a it's a, yeah, it's a it's a paralysis. And I call it paralysis by analysis. Yes. And you just get in this. What do I do? 
the biggest thing is the, the, the wrong thing to do in any situation is nothing. Mm. That's the wrong thing always to do. Now, if you look at a situation, analyze it, think about it, and decide at this time the best thing to do is nothing, that's different because you actually confronted it and you made the decision to do nothing. To stick your head in the sand and do nothing is, is always the wrong thing to do. So if I, it's a situation you give me with Travis. What I would say to him is say, look, what is it that you're trying to get out of your marketing? We have to determine what it is that he needs and wants. As soon as you determine what he needs and wants, then you go about seeing what that would cost. And, and a lot of times, like with marketing, I wouldn't hire somebody. I would outsource it. Okay? All of my marketing and PR, my e-presence, it's all outsourced. My website and, and, and the SEO, it's all outsourced. I don't have anybody in-house. It's cheaper to outsource it in most instances. All my marketing, PR, and all my Facebook, and so all the e-presence is handled by a gentleman in Long Island, New York. All my web presence and SEO and everything is handled by a guy in Nashville. Um, so we don't necessarily have to hire somebody to handle these things. They can be outsourced. But simply, it's delegating it. And delegating doesn't mean to somebody in your building. It That's can be right. somebody somewhere else. Yeah. When you when you first heard about coaching, like you were in building your business and you first heard about coaching, what was your first mindset? What was your first thought? Well, it, back then it was called consulting. Okay. Well, my, my mindset was, well, the first three letters of consultant is con. <laughs> <laughs> you know? And so it wasn't very good. I had a very, I had a, a very, very skeptical, very skeptical attitude about it. And, and then once I started researching it and talking to people and such, um, and then I slowly came around and then uh, um, I, I started to see the benefit, obviously. Um, I literally have um, seen my business grow every, every year. Okay. Um, and then we moved to a new location in 2016. And since I've been in this location, we've had higher sales every year, even through COVID. Every year it was bigger than the last. And that all comes from what I learned um, and what I continue to teach other people. And, and I still get coaching. Believe it or not, I still have somebody I talk to when I need to bounce an idea off. Because what I hear so many times from clients is, Jim, you know, I, I, I go home and I talk to my wife or I talk to my friends. But they just don't get it. And the truth is, they're right. Yeah. They just don't get it. Yeah. Talking to somebody that shares your reality and has, has been, there, bought, been there, done that, bought the T-shirt, is so invaluable, even if it's just simply as a sounding board. And honestly, the person that I do coaching with now is more of a sounding board than them giving me lots of information. It's to be able to have somebody like-minded with you. And I have two of them that I can call and say, hey, I got this going on, da, 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 da. what do you think? You know, and, and we just talk it through, honestly. And that's what a coach does. Um, one of my one of my best clients right now is a, is a gentleman in Indiana. I won't mention names, but he is excellent at just, hey, here's what I'm thinking. What do you think? He's great at looking at all the perspectives and then making a decision. Um, and like you said in your intro, a lot of us you know, gather cool ideas, but then don't do nothing with them. Well, he does. He takes the information, he goes and does it. And that's what coaching is for, is to get somebody that isn't necessarily going to give you the magic pill or the 12-step recipe. It's about somebody that can understand your reality and talk you through and walk you through and, and help you through things that they have already been through and that's what a coach does the best athletes in the world still have coaches you well, know i like um, i like to tell my coaches and i certify coaches 
through the International Coaching Federation. And I say, when you're looking for a coach, here's the first question that you ask them. Do who is their coach? Who are they coaching with? And if they're yeah. not coaching with anyone, run, run for the hills. Yeah. <laughs> when you know, we've gone through some we've gone through some crises in the last, I want to say 25 years and even before that. Mm-hmm. But let's just look at the last 25 years because that's how long you've been in business. How did you how did you handle you you, you mentioned the pandemic and we had 2008 yeah. before that and then we had what 2011 2012 mm-hmm. how do you handle crisis how did you get through that well um, the pandemic is is one that everyone's kind of talked to and analyzed ad nauseum they just have yeah um, so let's talk about other like, like right now we're looking at a potential recession you know we're looking at so here's honestly back in you know the crash of 2008 and and all these things, you know, it's going to sound funny, but you know what I, I did to, to, to arm myself against that? What? Was myself. Here's the thing. There's a lot of stuff in the media and, and, and some people like it. Some people don't, but let me ask you this. Can a farmer control the weather? Nope. Nope. He can't. So what can he do? Does he worry about the weather every day and day. No, don't worry about what you can't control. Mm-hmm. Okay. Do your best to plan at what you've got around you to make your recipe and your success work. All you can do is worry about and put input on the things you can control. Don't get so wrapped up in everything out there. Um, and I, I get into the big discussions with this with clients. Like right now, there's a lot about economy, banking. News. In fact, at my team meeting, we have a team meeting every Tuesday. Uh, team meeting this morning, somebody said about this, something with going on. And I'm like, what are you talking about? You know, they said, what do you mean? I said, well, I don't watch the news. I don't, I, I really don't get wrapped up. Um, and, and we can get into a lot of discussion about that, but more often than not, the media is there to tell you what to be afraid of and who's to blame for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and they mix in a few good, good stories, but the thing is, is worry about what's around you. So what I did at that time is I, I concentrated on what my customers needed and wanted. And I did that by talking to them and asking them and being in good communication. Good communication solves so many problems. It's the universal solvent. And if you stay in touch with your clients and your and your team and make sure that you're taking care of their needs and wants, there's a, a really good motivational speaker that's um, uh, uh, since deceased. I'm drawing back really quick. Um, but he always said, you can have anything you want in life if you help enough other people get what they need in life. Ziggler. Zig Ziggler, yeah. Sorry. Uh, the train story of his is my best, most favorite one, too, by the way. Um, the two guys working for the railroad. But anyway, that's so true. All you got to do is focus on the people around you and help them get what they need and want. You yeah. do that, success will take care of itself. It'll come along for the ride. Now, so, you be aware of the things like I'm aware occasionally, like with the pandemic, I was aware of what was out there. I was aware of what people were thinking. I was aware of how they were feeling, but I wasn't getting too wrapped up in trying to change that or affect it. I just stayed in good communication so I could be aware of what kind of what's going on. You know, I watch, I, I read some news online and I read some different things, but I don't sit down and watch an hour of news on TV. I just, I just don't. I know enough just to be slightly aware so I can understand where, where, where people are coming from. But then I just worry about what do you need and want? What can I do for you to satisfy so, your needs and wants and to help you solve your problems? So you're not reacting. You are you are course correcting 
you know, you have a plan, you're course correcting. If something happens yeah. like 2008, we, we all, you know, no one was prepared. And, yeah. and I remember, um, and I can't remember which book it was, but I, I remember reading a book way before 2008 that talked about any company that, that grows during a crisis is going to be a very strong and successful company. And I remember going into 2008 and overnight, I just lost one client after another. I have a Montessori school and, you know, everyone just pulled their children because they couldn't pay the tuition anymore. And I remember that. And that's what kept me going. I was like, I don't know how I'm going to make it till tomorrow. And but that's all I need to focus on right now, how we're going to make it to tomorrow and then Mm -hmm. how we're going to make it to the next day and how we're going to make it to the next day. And and that's, you know, not getting, I think what, what you were saying, what I was hearing is not getting caught up, not getting yeah. caught up in the, in the all big, big, the big. other stuff. Yeah. Cause you can't control it. No, exactly. You know, I can't control how the federal government's going to spend money. I, I have no control of it. Do I need to be aware that something's going on? Sure. But what I can control is how we handle our customers in our community, how we deliver those needs and services, because even with the pandemic and all that cars still needed service and repair. Everyone, how do we we need to go about doing that to fulfill the customer's needs? Because automotive repairs, see, I don't sell car repairs, I don't sell automotive service, I sell solutions to problems. That's right. A customer has a problem that they can't solve, it happens to be with their car. They come to me, they want to purchase a solution. And that's what all business is. Isn't that, yeah, I was going to say, isn't that the same thing when you coach like shop owners? Right. They're shop owners and then they're shop owners. And then I'm pretty sure they're shop owners that, you know, need your help, really are looking Mm -hmm. for your help. But if they're not coachable and teachable, well, you can talk all day. Yes. And and, and I've run into some of those that they just, you know, that won't work. That won't work. That won't work. Well, if you're not willing to try anything, if you're not willing to give anything an honest effort, if you're not willing to consider another perspective or another point of view or another need, then that's that, that there's certain people that are difficult or impossible to coach. Um, it's called fixed ideas. When somebody has a fixed idea and they're not going to change it, there's not much you can do. Um, it, there's a very, uh, very old and it's very antiquated, but it, it's, it's like when, when they say you have, when you have an unintelligent person that knows they're unintelligent, you can kind of work with them because they're, they know that they got room to improve. When you have an un, a, a, a smart person, an intelligent person that thinks they're unintelligent. You can work with that because they think there's room to improve. When you have an unintelligent person that thinks they're intelligent, there's nowhere to go because they already think they have all the answers. Here here are three words that I look for when I identify if I want to work with someone. And if they're habitually using these three words, I run. I'm like, I can't work with you. And those are the three words. I know that. Because if they know already, then what are they going to learn? Why are they on the phone with you? <laughs> yeah. What are they going to learn? They're not going to learn. They already made up their mind that they already know everything. Yes. And that's, and that's you know, uh, a friend of mine gave me a, a coin to phrase uh, that they're, they're called no besties. They know best. <laughs> you know, and I said, okay. Yeah. I thought it was kind of funny, but um, yeah. And that's just it. So there's some people that I, that I, I can't work with. I, I, that I can't help. You know, well, and, and Steve, Toby, Mandy, and I, we're all from the industry and, and we have value. We have knowledge. We obviously, 
Every one of us has successful businesses, and, and we've, we've been through the pitfalls. We've, we've made those mistakes. We've, we've done the bonehead moves. We're here to help you not have to go through them. And the thing is, it does translate over into other businesses. They don't necessarily have to be an automotive shop to talk to us. Um, any, type of, any type of service-based industry, a lot of the same, same things apply. Yeah. So you work with shops, may they be automotive or other shops, uh, all around the United States. Is that correct? Yeah. Not just yeah, and, and I've actually even helped a shop owner in, in, in uh, the Middle East, in Oman. Oh, yes. in Omar. That's interesting. Oman, yeah, over by uh, uh, um, Saudi Arabian Peninsula. But, yeah. Um, and some Canadian shops. Um, but the biggest thing, yes, continental United States. Um, I've been in all but eight states helping shop owners. Um, uh, and, yeah, I've, I've got connections. Like, kind of cool. I've got connections pretty much all over the country if I ever have an automotive need or a friend from somewhere. Hey, I've got a problem. Hey, go down and see so-and-so, you know? Um, I, I actually, I, I called Steve, uh, Steve Eck, um, and I said, listen, I have this El Camino and, and it needs fixing. I don't even know where to begin. And he hooked me up with someone. It wasn't yeah. Travis, but he hooked me up with someone else. And that's the kind of people, right? Everyone has a great network and it, it's, yeah. it's the people that are willing to do great work in the world um, that will connect you with whoever they have in their network. That's the kind of person that you are. How do people get in touch with you, Jim? Uh, best way is email, um, jim at realshopcoaching.com. Um, just put the Jim at in the front of that. That's also my personal email you can reach me at. Um, and just uh, reach out and, and, and ask me, you know, what's going on, and, and we can go from there. Um, it's, it's really simple. And uh, I, I enjoy talking to anybody uh, about what they got going on and see if, if we're a good fit and we can help them out. Yeah, fantastic. So uh, your website is realshopcoaching.com. Really easy, yeah. realshopcoaching.com. Yeah. So get with with um, Jim on realshopcoaching.com or tell me, tell us your Gmail again, your email address. Uh, Theautomobilist at gmail.com or Jim at realshopcoaching.com. Fantastic. Yeah. Uh, Jim, your last yeah. empowering words to us as we end today. Mm -hmm. What would you never, here, here's the biggest thing that I always tell people, never underestimate the power of acknowledgement. When it comes to your crew, your uh, customers, your anybody, thank you. A simple thank you. When my guys are here and we have a, a, you know, a really good day, I make sure to go out and thank them at the end of the day every day. Say, hey, thank you for the effort today. It was an awesome effort. Even if the day... I'm, I mean, you couldn't get nothing to go right if you tried, you know. You still go out there and say, you know what, I know we didn't get the result we wanted, but thank you for the effort. Tomorrow's going to be better. That and is, it costs you nothing. Yes, and and it and it's nothing. so important. Thank you for sharing that with yeah. us. And thank you for being on the Success Pattern Show. It was great to have this conversation. Fun. I enjoyed it. It was great. Yes. Nice, nice being here. Yeah. Yes. So and, uh, real quick, um, uh, the first person to reach out with a situation uh, that, that we can work with, uh, we'll, uh, I'll work out a 30-minute uh, no-charge coaching session. Oh, okay, guys. Did you hear that? So the first one, and there's only one. So get, yeah. with, get with The first one that fits, it's got to fit, uh, free 30-minute coaching session. Fantastic. Jim, yeah. thank you so much. You have thank such, you so much. You have such a kind and giving heart. Thank you for being on. Not a problem. Anytime. All Glad right. I can help. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in for the Success Pattern Show today. We will see you again next week. Same time, same place. 
remember to invite folks because they will also love to learn all of these nuggets as we had from Jim today. Thanks, Jim. Thanks, everyone. Thank you for tuning in and you will notice opportunities to apply success patterns daily while eagerly anticipating next week's content-rich success patterns.